Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast. My name's Jake, and it's a pleasure to be here with you as always, where we are getting ready to wrap up this week our sermon series called The Chase. You know, each of us have a moment in time in our lives where we hit rock bottom. And that's what we're going to be talking about today with King Nebuchadnezzar's experience. So we're joined by our special guest preacher, Dave Griffin, who runs our student ministry at our Wheaton campus. So let's join in with this conversation together now. Hello, everybody. I'm Dave. Yeah, Dave Griffin. If you don't know me, let me introduce myself. I am the youth pastor at the Wheaton campus. I'm also Jeff's younger brother. And I like to state that, younger brother. Now, what he normally does right now is he says hi to all of the campuses. I don't think I'm smart enough to remember all the campuses. So I'll just say hi to the Compass Church and all of you that are seeing this. Really glad to be here. I got this great and wonderful topic I want to talk about. Have you ever been hopeless? Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, there's no way I can get out of it? It's hopeless. Or like hopeless in yourself of where you're trying to change a behavior or get rid of a bad habit and just coming back and back and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm hopeless. Have you ever met somebody that has treated you in such a way that is so bad or so evil or so horrible that you look at them and say, man, they... They are hopeless. I remember one time that I truly felt the true meaning of hopelessness. You see, I said I'm a youth pastor, and way in the beginning of my career, uh, I was asked to lead a group and go caving. Now, caving for me is a special thing. Spelunking, I think the professionals call it. And why is it so special? It's me conquering such amazing fears. You see, when I was about five years old, and it's, this is a long story that I'm not going to tell, but I was locked in a suitcase for over an hour. And the result of that is this unbelievable fear I have of small, closed-in places. can't take it. And so caving is like me overcoming fears. And so I have all of these students. And we're in a, a beautiful cave, and it's this big room, and we're walking through it, and it all seems to be great. I was with this extra adventurous group of high schoolers, led by this one young lady who is tiny, skinny, and just was seeming to just in her natural element and running around this cave. And all of a sudden, she's like, Dave, 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 can we go down this hole? And at the edge of this big, beautiful cave room was this tiny little hole. It looked like what, like a rat would go in and out of it. And she was like, can we go down there? And there were like five other students like, yeah, we want to do it. And as their leader, I didn't want to show fear and I didn't want to leave them alone. So I said, yes, let's go down that hole. And so she just went right down. And then I went down and five or six students after me. And we were going down and it was a tiny little tunnel. I mean, it was no better than three feet tall and about two feet wide. We were on our hands and knees just going through this tunnel. And we went probably three to 400 yards in a long way. And then all of a sudden the tunnel turned hard left. And it was as it was getting smaller and turns left, that little girl just right around the corner and kept going. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. And so I kind of lined up and in the, as it turned the corner, the inside wall had a, had a rock, a lump that kind of was right at the corner. You had to bend around this lump. And so I bent around it and that rock drove hard into my gut and we went around it, but I squeezed through. Everybody else, because they were much more flexible and a little less thick, like I was, uh, chunky boy they were kind of went right through and it was great and so as we got to the 
to the end, well, the end, we went about 20 yards more and all of a sudden it, the cave just like disappeared. And so I was like, hey, we got to turn around. And when we turned around, literally it was so tight that my turning around, switching positions was just moving my head like this. And my head, back of my head and my nose were touching the wall as it, as it spun. It was tight. And so we turn around and we start heading back. And because of my positioning, I had to go around that same corner again with that, like that lump in the middle, not bending over at the waist, but bending my back around it. And I'm not that flexible. And so as I'm going through with my arms out in front of me, my chest hit the wall, my legs on the other side, I'm trying to bend around this lump and that lump got wedged, lodged, right above my rear end and the small end of my back. And so I decided I'm, all right, so it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a tight push through. And so I said, I'll put a little more pressure. And the more I pushed, the more I wedged. And the more I wedged, the more I pushed. And the more my heart began to beat, the more my emotions began to flow. And the more the kids could tell this is not going to be a good situation. And I did whatever a young adult leader should do at a time when it's scary. You should panic. I went into a full on panic. Everything in me said I need to get out and I used all sorts of methods. I used pure strength, didn't work, wedged me more. I used screaming, didn't work. I growled at the rock. I rubbed the skin off my fingers trying to claw my way out to the point where I was bleeding. Now I have a girl behind me who's in panic mode herself because I have corked or clogged her way out. All of these others are in the, and they're all scared too because their leader is freaking out. And I, about 15 minutes was in a full body panic trying to get out of there and I was not moving. It was hopeless. I thought of the 150,000 pounds and tons and yards upon yards of rock and granite above me. I thought of how it went down to the very core of the earth of rock below me and on either side. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here forever, I'm, I'm dead. There is nothing I can do because the more I tried, the more wedged I got. Like, oh, they're not gonna be able to dig to me. It's hopeless. It's over. And so I did what any good leader would do. Out of panic came this surrender. And I said, Lord, I'm in your hands. Save me. And it was, it was in that relaxing moment. It was in that moment of me just finally giving up my effort. I'm telling the truth that I bent a little more. And instead of that stressed out, I gotta get out, I kinda went, I'm dead. And so I just relaxed a little bit and my butt went right by the, the lump and I was free. You know, we're gonna be looking at the story of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar looks like he's a hopeless dude. He's this unbelievable king that has every evil and horrible decision you could ever imagine stacked up on top of him and below him, and below him he is surrounded and wedged in his own evilness. He looks hopeless. But when God's involved, there always is hope. You know, I'm reminded of the fact that we will bottom out at some point in our life. We will come across a situation or a circumstance that is just ultimately really hard. 
What do you do in those moments? You can do a lot of different things. You can pray, you can share with close friends, but here at the Compass Church, we wanna support you through those times as well. And we can do that through our care ministry. Go to thecompass.net slash care. You'll find different care options for all of our campuses. We want you to know that we would love to walk alongside you through the hard seasons of life. Now, let's get back to concluding this message and this sermon series with Dave Griffin now. Nebuchadnezzar, the King Nebuchadnezzar, seems like that hopeless case, but when God's here, it's not. We're going to dive right into his story, and I'm going to explain a little bit why. Chapter 4 of Daniel is actually written by Nebuchadnezzar. It's actually kind of like his testimony. All of the other stuff that we have studied in the weeks past of chase of God chasing down Nebuchadnezzar. That's what our series is called, is chase. Him chasing Nebuchadnezzar down have been written by other people, Daniel, talking about Nebuchadnezzar's story. This is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And it ends with this. It says this in verse 37 of chapter 4. It says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. So something has changed. I used to look at, you look at the life of Nebuchadnezzar, it looks hopeless. I mean, think about it. He's been around Daniel and his buddies when they ate the vegetables and not the meat. And he reacted, this is cool, but it didn't change anything in his life. You also looked at when Daniel interpreted a dream for him. I actually told him what the dream was and interpreted it. He was like, this is awesome. Your God is great. But it didn't seem to change anything in his life. And then he finally had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come. And if you look at that, and and they actually were thrown into the furnace. Jesus showed up with them, and they're in the furnace kind of walking around together. And Nebuchadnezzar saw that all, and he comes out and says, this is so awesome that if anybody, anybody uh, makes fun of the God of those guys, I'm going to cut them into pieces. It doesn't really change anything. It seems like Nebuchadnezzar is on this hopeless route of saying, my life is mine. I'm going to live it how I want to live it. And something finally changes in chapter four. And so I'm going to go through and tell you the real quick version of chapter four. And the truth is we're going to get out of it. We're going to get out of it a, a warning, a hope, and a purpose. And so let's take a quick look at it. What happens in four? It starts out with Nebuchadnezzar just saying, hey, I've written this so that you know what wonderful things happened to me. Nebuchadnezzar then says that he's living this beautiful life. He's proud of all of his stuff that he's made in buildings and gardens and conquers of cross. I mean, the whole known earth, the population was pretty much under his authority and he was taking care of them well. There was great prosperity and he thought he was doing great. And then he has a bad dream again. And in that bad dream, he sees a tree. And the tree is ginormous, reaches all the way to the sky, across all the earth. It has beautiful leaves and wonderful fruit. And animals are living in it. And everyone is happy. It's like this beautiful tree that brings shade to everybody. It's just great. And then all of a sudden, a messenger in his dream, a messenger from heaven comes down and says, cut the tree down. And so it cuts off all the branches just leaves a stump. Everything else is scattered. All the animals run away. Just a stump is left there with its roots. And then that's bound with iron and copper and says that it's going to stay like that for seven years. Seven times pass. Nebuchadnezzar 
He's freaking out. He's like, what in the world is going on? I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand this dream. Now, you'd think he'd go get the guy who interprets dreams, Daniel. But no, he gets all the other guys and they all come and they can't tell him what his dream is. And so finally Daniel comes and Daniel says, all right, uh, I'll, I'll pray about it. I'll tell you what your dream is. And so Daniel actually explains what the dream is and says, I wish this dream was about your enemies, but it's not. It's actually about you, Nebuchadnezzar. And then he gives him the interpretation. The tree, this big tree that has all this beautiful life in it, that is a good thing, is going to be cut down. And that tree is you. And the Lord is going to come and it is going to chop you down and is going to leave you like a stump. And you're going to be and live like the animals. It actually says that you're going to eat the grass and you're going to have dew on your back and your hair is going to go really long and your nails are going to go really long. And it's going to be this where you're going to be absolutely like an animal grazing. You're no longer going to be uh, uh, a sane human. All because you think your life is yours. If you would just learn to live for God, then it would all be different. So that's exactly what happens is after seven years, Nebuchadnezzar looks up from his crawling on the ground and says, I'm going to live for God. And that's what we're reading right here. It says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, the one who I thought was hopeless myself, I praise, exalt and glorify the king of heaven. His life has been radically changed. So now we got to look at this and say, OK, what actually happened? And the first step I want to say is, is there's a bit of a warning. And here's the warning. As Daniel is interpreting the dream, he then actually says at the very end and gives this one verse as he's interpreting the dream. And it is verse 27. It says, therefore, your majesty. Remember, he's just told them exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be cut down. Your authority has gone and you're going to live like an animal. It's not good news. And this is what he says. Therefore, your majesty. Be pleased to accept my advice. So here's the advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. Your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Basically, what he's saying is turn to the Lord. Live for him. It's your only hope. Just this morning, I woke up. Woke up out of bed and it was a felt like, you know, I love morning times. It was a good morning. Walked into my kitchen, walked up to this bit of a picture window we have, was watching the sunrise, looking at the trees, seeing the grass, watching the birds I'm feeding, seeing my patio, my patio furniture, saw my fire pit. And I was like, I was actually standing like this, thinking, <laughs> my kingdom is good. And all of a sudden I realized, whoa, 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 wait a second. Watch that warning. As good as my stuff looks like or could be just like Nebuchadnezzar. The truth is for all have sinned, the Bible says, and all have fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Whether that was just one little sin or like Nebuchadnezzar, it was a huge list of sins of where you've done some horrible things like, like burning people and killing people and ruling bad and all that sort of stuff. He, he did those things forced people even to worship gods that weren't the real God. I mean, he was a pretty bad guy. All of those, but even if you just have one sin, we are all in the same boat. We are sinners and deserve not the life that we have. We actually deserve death. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. 
but the gift of God. We get this gift that gives us free life. And so it's one of those is where the warning is for those of us who think we're doing all right, that we look at our deeds and say, I think I'm good enough. Or we look at what we've done and say, I can handle this life. Just remember the warning. Without God, we're nothing. We truly are nothing. So warning, we were made so that he could sustain us, not we sustain ourselves. So that's the warning. So what's the hope? The hope is this, that even at the bottom of the barrel, the worst of worst situations, we can still be saved by the one who has the power to save. And that's Jesus. If we look at our next step in it, basically what has happened is, is all this has come true. Remember, the dream came true about a year after hearing the interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar is out on his roof looking over his whole kingdom, kind of standing like I was saying, this is so great. This is awesome. I am such a good dude that a voice from heaven came and said, eh, you're not so. You're a sinner and I'm going to help you feel the consequences of you being separated, falling short of the glory of God. And all of a sudden, look at what happened in verse 33. Immediately after he had said something, immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from the people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. It was the lowest of the low. This is, this is, this is, this is bad. This is where he is honestly, I can't think of anything lower than that. I, I could think of me seeing people that were that low. For those of you who know, I, I have a friend uh, who is from uh, Liberia and I've talked about him before. Before he knew Jesus, he was a warlord in, in Liberia, Africa. He was actually called General Butt Naked. He fought naked to prove how powerful he was as he went on this conquest of killing people and sacrificing people and, and kidnapping kids and training them to kill people and sacrifice people. He was the bottom of the barrel, the lowest of the low. But look at here at verse 34, and this is the hope. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. No matter how bad our sinful life is or how much we're in the barrel or how much we realize that we do not deserve all that God is giving us. When we turn towards God, when we, when we surrender ourselves to him, he's always faithful to save. That's how amazing his death and resurrection is. That's the power of the gospel. We were made to be with him forever. But we turned away from that in our disobedience. We did like King, King Nebuchadnezzar. We did what we wanted with our lives. We disobeyed, therefore deserving death and separation from God forever. But he sent his one and only son to die for us, to conquer death and be resurrected so that when we turn to him in faith, when we turn our eyes to him and plead, please forgive me, he forgives and he restores and brings us back to a right relationship with him. That's the good news of the gospel. And that is stronger than any depth of spiritual lostness that anybody has. So there's the hope. No matter how deep you think you are in, if God can save Nebuchadnezzar, 
He can save you. If God can save General Butt Naked, he can save you. All we need to do is turn ourselves back to Jesus and he will forgive and restore us to that relationship with him that lasts forever. So then what's what's the purpose in this? And this is the interesting one that I, I, I got from this is this is our purpose. Our purposes are like the Daniels. For those of us who have and know this truth and have people around us that are thinking they're all that and they're all good and, and everything is going to be all right, that they don't need God, or those people in our lives that we know are, are so spiritually lost that they seem hopeless, that it's like they're in a cave of their own sin and they're stuck there. We could be like Daniel. And here's the amazing part. In those days when a king would die or an emperor would die or go insane or couldn't lead, they were quickly replaced. They didn't want to lose that authority. It was either by a son or a, 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 a peer that wanted to have that position. But there used to end up being a whole bunch of wars and fights and all this sort of stuff for somebody to take. Seven years went by and no one took the throne. The commentaries actually said that happened probably because Daniel kept saying, don't give up on him. God's going to do something. Don't give up on him. I think something's going to happen. God's going to bring him back. God is going to restore him. I, I, I think of my friend, uh, General Buttnaked. And if we go back really quick in that story, one of the things that I haven't told is there was a group of pastors, 10 of them actually, who got together. They rented a room as close as they could to the barracks of General Butt-Naked, to his torture chambers, they get as close as they could. And they said, we're going to start to pray for the demise. They're actually going to pray for the, that the Lord would end General Butt-Naked's life. They were like, he's so evil. So one day they were praying and one of the pastors stands up and says, whoa, 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 God's leading me. We're not supposed to pray for his death. We're supposed to pray for his salvation. And so they changed their prayer and started praying for salvation. The next couple days is they're in this room about three blocks away from this horrible barracks of General Butt-Naked where it's been known how much evil has gone in. And as they're praying for his salvation, that same pastor says, God wants me to go tell him the good news of the gospel right now. And so he got up and they're like, they're going to kill you. They're all there. You can't just walk in there. You can't. And he's like, this is what God wants to do. We're not supposed to give up on him. So he actually got up, walked straight in, walked right by the guards, right by the soldiers, into the place, by right through the torture chambers to the back chamber where General Butt-Naked had his lair, knocked on it. General Butt-Naked answers and said, how'd you get in here? And the guy said, I walked. And he goes, well, what do you want? And said, you need to know. And they explained, you're a sinner. You're in a hole. There's no way you can get out of it. But Jesus died for you, God's own son. And in that, when you turn, he can forgive you of all and give you a new life. And General Buttonick said, okay. Transformed and changed right there. That's how great Jesus is. That's how powerful his death and resurrection is. That even the worst of us, when we turn and surrender it to him, he is willing, able, and wanting to restore us to a relationship with him that lasts forever. So heed the warning. If you think you got it all together, if you think your good works are good enough, they're not. 
you need to realize that all of us are sinners. And feel the hope for those of you that are stuck in the pit of your own despair. In the pit of despair. That your decisions, that your sins, even the sins and decisions of other people have made you feel like your life is hopeless. There's no way to get out of this sin and destruction and all that you're going on. Follow Nebuchadnezzar's example. Just turn your eyes to Jesus. Ask him, confess and ask for him to save. And he will save. And for those of us who are and know people, we need to come alongside and give opportunities. We need to pray for them, fight alongside them and share with them and give them opportunity to say, do you want to know Jesus right now? And so I give everyone that opportunity right now. Do you want to turn your life around right now? Do you want to like Nebuchadnezzar, lift your eyes up and see God maybe for the first time, maybe it's again, but to say, you know what? I know that I'm a sinner, but I need his forgiveness. I believe in his death and resurrection that he has done enough to even forgive me. If you want that now, would you pray with me right now? It's, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to fix it yourself. It's him who fixes it. I bet Nebuchadnezzar had lots of times during those seven years of saying, I ought to just stop this, eating grass. But on his own, he couldn't. It wasn't until he turned to the Lord. So who's, who's with me to turn in the Lord today? Not because we deserve it, but because he offers it. And so if you want to, follow along this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for showing me your truth. Thank you for showing us today that all have sinned and we're all short of your glory and far from you. God, my, my deeds, my sins, my actions, I'm sorry for what I've done in disobedience. But I believe you still love me. I believe that Jesus lived and that he died for me and that he lived again. And God, I ask that you would, in the name of Jesus, save me and be my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You all are the best. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. My hope and prayer is that overall through the course of this series, you've just seen how God pursues the least likely of us and he doesn't give up on us. Praise God that he's done that for King Nebuchadnezzar and that he's done that for you and me as well. Before you go, I just wanna take a moment to say thank you for your continued partnership and generosity. We are all about helping people find and follow God and we do that by continually pointing people to the work and person of Jesus. If you're interested in partnering with us, go to thecompass.net slash give. And make sure you fill out that online connection card. Let us know how we can be praying for you in these difficult seasons of life as well. You can do that by going to thecompass.net slash connection card. I'm really excited to get back with you next week where we are starting a brand new sermon series about a hot topic that we see play out in culture. And it's called deconstruction. You're going to want to make sure to join us next time here at the Compass Church.